Welcome to the Two Stewards Show. All right, Mark and I are trying to learn a little bit more about Bitcoin. And we were surfing Twitter and came across an individual identified as PastorCoin. Thought, that's interesting. Who would have thought that economics and theology, which many people today would probably call the two most boring subjects in the world, could be connected? Needless to say, it piqued our interest and here we are. Today, we are talking to Alan Armstrong. Alan is a pastor and church planter in Windsor, Ontario, with the North American Mission Board, and is quite active on Twitter under the handle PastorCoin. Alan has authored the book, The Bible and Bitcoin, A Theological Exploration of Human Time, Energy, and Bitcoin. Needless to say, this conversation is an interesting blend of economics and theology, where we get to pick Alan's brain on the fiat monetary system, taxation, how these things affect humanity and our time, and what Bitcoin brings to the table. We also get into the law of sowing and reaping and what Alan calls carnal fiat versus divine fiat. If you want to reach out to the show, email us at hello at two stewards.ca. And now we bring you Pastor Coin. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Stewards Show. My name is Mark. I'm here as always with Brent. Hi, Brent. Hi everybody. And uh, we are excited because today we have our first guest. So you don't have to listen to us drone on and on. Um, you can listen to someone else drone on. <laughs> and uh, that would be uh, Pastor Alan Armstrong, uh, also known as Pastor Coin. So welcome, Pastor Coin. Pastor Coin on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Look forward to every time I come on the podcast, it's sort of the same idea. I don't know what I got myself into, but we'll soon find out. Let's let's see what happens. Yeah, how much how much jokes. trouble am I gonna get in this time? <laughs> Depends what you say, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So uh, Alan, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh about yourself? Just a quick uh, bio, maybe. Um yeah, how you came to know about Jesus, what you're doing now, and uh, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so I'm in uh, Canada, which I think most of your listeners are in, but I don't really know. But mm -hmm. I know you guys are here. Sorry for doxing you. Uh, you can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm a church planter here in the uh, church. I, I like to say I'm a church planter to the pagan tribes of Canada. Um, and so it's very uh, spiritually, um, at least my city, I don't know about you guys, but where I'm at, it's a very spiritually dry and dull place. Um, very, very much uh, aura of hopelessness and despair. Um, but yeah, here we are with the gospel and uh, reaching out to folks and trying to show them that there's more to life than begging the state for <laughs> your sustenance, uh, <laughs> that there is a God in heaven and that there is not a God in Ottawa. So here we are doing that and praising the Lord for any fruit that he deems uh, that we should bear. And I'm thankful for it. Yeah, so I'm a Christian. Obviously, I got uh, born again and baptized in 2008, early 2008. And um, yeah, I mean, it depends how long you want me to ramble on about my testimony because God has been so good. Uh, but that's that's sort of the bird's eye view. Okay, yeah. And so you uh, you decided to become a pastor and uh, spread the good news, and you ended up in uh, in Windsor. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I was born, well, not born here, but raised here. <clears throat> and yeah, so I got saved, and then I didn't, want, I didn't want to be a pastor. I had no desire to be a pastor. And when I got saved, I had a real um, – zeal for evangelism and for better or worse <laughs> i just went out and started telling people about jesus i didn't i mean i didn't know much other than jesus is the solution jesus is lord and king and we ought to serve and worship him that's pretty much all i knew at that point uh, but i thought well i have to tell somebody about this i can't keep it to myself it you know it's like a 
a fire in my bones. I have to let it out or else I felt like I was going to explode. <laughs> so I went and did that and people were just saying, hey, you should be a pastor. You should be a pastor. And I thought, no, I want to make money. <laughs> uh, I don't want to be a pastor. I want to make some money. I want to have a family. I don't want to. I don't want to be a pastor. I could still evangelize and preach the gospel and teach people the Bible without did being a pastor. A, did you have a job at the time? Like, what was your career path? Oh no, Before my career path was 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 nothing. Okay. <laughs> but nothing is. Uh, <laughs> listen, when it comes to making money yeah. nothing is better than ministry <laughs> because uh at least with nothing you have options <laughs> in, in in ministry it's it's hard it's hard yeah. just just being honest especially with church planting this is not something you do if you want to make money yeah. don't if if you want to make money don't be a church planter do something else but if god is calling you then you can't you have no choice. And that was my, my experience. My situation was uh, through various different confirmations and different events in my life and things that have happened, it became um, overwhelmingly clear that this is what God wanted me to do. So, <clears throat> so I did it, you know, with, with his help and I'm still doing it uh, with his help. And that's when you went into like theological training, went to seminary or something? Yeah, unfortunately, I went to seminary. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, uh, I, I'm not a fan of seminary. It was a big waste of money. Um, got myself into debt. Though, I mean, we could talk about this. This is part of my Bitcoin and, and journey, learning about money and the monetary system and the corruption of it and how it's even seeped into the church. But this whole idea of telling a young man who's about to get married that he should go to the bank and get into crippling debt in order to go to seminary to be a pastor. It just seems a little bit backwards to me. I, I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't seem right. Yeah. I, I think there's a better way, maybe a way where we can train men for ministry and not get them into crippling debt before they get married. Yeah, interesting. Okay, interesting. Because our the federation that we belong to, we we do have a seminary. Um, and yeah, that's, that's still the same path, right? You, if you want to be a pastor, you go to seminary and then you come out. But, um, I guess the difference is that, um, yeah, our pastors get paid, you know, pretty well. And, uh, for them, it's not, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like maybe there's a little bit of financial stewardship there where you gotta like, you gotta plan it out, save up a lot of, uh, these students typically do. And sometimes they'll receive support from churches as well if uh, someone is gifted, but you know, you're dealing with kind of an established federation versus maybe something that's not where you're uh, yeah, this is your decision and uh, you're kind of on your own is what it sounds like. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's a tough thing because not everyone can afford that. Right. I mean, here's the thing. If you're going to save up to go to seminary, you probably have established yourself. You have a career, you have skills, you're making money what's the point? Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I if, listen, if you want to be a pastor and a church planter and a, and a minister, and if, if you're not self studying and self motivated, don't do it. Don't do yeah, it. Absolutely. Uh, I learned way more out of seminary than I did in se seminary was just hoops, jump through the hoops. So the denomination sees you as credible and maybe hires you in the church. As far as I'm concerned, it's just right. a big fiat machine that we should dismantle or reform uh, big time. So I told you I was going to get in trouble. <laughs> well, I don't know no, who it's... your seminary professors are, but yeah. if they're listening. <laughs> yeah, they're probably not listening. It's okay. Um, okay, no, that's, that, that is, that's an interesting viewpoint for sure. So how did you um, – so you talked a little bit about your journey and learning about money. Like, when did you discover Bitcoin? So my Bitcoin journey has been uh, really scattered, I think might be the best way to put it. I first <clears throat> was exposed to Bitcoin. I don't even remember the year, but it was very, very early on when Bitcoin was 
had really no price. Um, <clears throat> there was a thing called a Bitcoin faucet. I don't know if you're familiar with the Bitcoin faucet, but it was a website where you could go and get free Bitcoin. They would just like give it to you. I think it was five, five or 10, but I think it was five Bitcoin. You go to this website called the Fa Bitcoin faucet. I think it's even still online. It's just obviously you're not going to get anything. It's just sort of there. <laughs> but yeah, you would get, I think it was an email or something and they would get, gift you five Bitcoin just to sort of get started and play around with it very early on. And I remember being confused with the public and private keys and the way the custody Bitcoin back then was a bit more um, mm -hmm. complicated and stuff. So I was like, ah, this is stupid. Like, I, I don't know what this is about. This just seems like something for nerds and I'm not really that nerdy. So I, you know, just forgot about it. And who knows where those five Bitcoin are now? They're, they're gone. <laughs> so then in 2017, <clears throat> um, Bitcoin went on a run and it got, you know, everybody was talking about Bitcoin in 2017. So I looked back into it. And I go, oh, man, is that the same thing I just tossed in the garbage <laughs> or whatever <laughs> uh, it would have been, been worth like over 50 grand or something i forget but yeah it was mm -hmm. it was brutal so i thought well okay so i bought some altcoins and stuff because i really wasn't paying attention and then my wife was pregnant with twins and she had babies and china banned bitcoin for the 10th time and then i thought ah, i don't have time for this and then it wasn't until 2020 again where things got serious and <clears throat> Um, some altcoins I bought had, had mooned and I thought, what is going on? This is, this is crazy. So 2020 is a crazy year. We have this virus. Is it real? Is it fake? Pastors are getting arrested and it's a disaster. And <laughs> well, that wasn't until 2021, but still it was really messed up. And I thought, I need to understand Bitcoin. This, there's something about Bitcoin. It keeps every four years or so, it keeps popping onto <laughs> my radar. And I keep pushing it aside or, or being too lazy or I have, I'm too busy. But this time in 2020, I said, okay, this is it. I have to sit down and figure this thing out. What is Bitcoin and why in the world is it trading at like 50, 60, 70,000 Canadian dollars? It absolutely made no sense to me. So I went on a journey to learn Bitcoin and just I just wanted to answer the question, what is Bitcoin? If somebody asked me, what is Bitcoin? I wanted to be able to answer them. Did you uh, have any like... Uh, economic background or ideas about what is money before you started this? Excuse me. Um, not really. I hadn't like I'd done a bit of study. I kind of read a little bit about gold, <clears throat> things like that, but just uh, nothing serious, just sort of on, on the side when it would come up or whatever. But I never really took time to sit down and really study um, the history of money or what money is or anything like that. I, I knew enough to know that the dollar, the fiat money was fake and it was just sort of a government scam. I knew that much, but it pretty much ended there. I didn't right. bother to ask, well, if it's a scam and then like, <laughs> what can I do? <laughs> what can I do? Like this, there's gotta, that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big statement. If you believe the money you, you you're using is a government scam you'd think you'd dig more but i didn't <laughs> not yet at least so yeah i went on the journey to figure out bitcoin and ask some friends and they just confused me more and but and they told me about altcoins and i was like no i i, I just want to figure out bitcoin because i feel like if i figure out bitcoin then the rest will kind of fall into place Mm -hmm. wasn't until I uh, listened to the Bitcoin standard by Saifedina Moose that it clicked for me that it, here's the thing. I was trying to I was trying to answer the question, what is Bitcoin? But what I really needed was the answer to the question of why is Bitcoin? Um, mm -hmm. What problem does it solve? Why does it exist? That's really what I was searching for, but I didn't know it. So when I read the Bitcoin standard, he answered the question that I should have been asking, 
and maybe I was asking just in the wrong way. And then it clicked for me. Whoa, this is more than just some investment that seems to dump hard and pump hard. This is something deeper than that. This goes to the, uh, this speaks to the issue of the human heart and sin and money and what is money and how that affects humanity and our time and our energy. And it's just, it just, it, it, this rabbit hole just <laughs> blew up in my face and I couldn't unsee what I saw. And from, from there it was, I mean, just, we're, we're still on the journey now. Yeah. And you wrote a book, I have a book here. I think Mark mentioned that at the front, but the Bible and Bitcoin. Yeah. And, uh, so that's that's the result of some of your study? Yeah, so that book is a result of that journey. I had done a um, seminar in Windsor called The Christian Case for Bitcoin. Uh, and I just invited local people who were interested. And it was a good turnout, more, more than I thought. And I thought, well, okay, so maybe I'm not the only one asking these questions and, and figuring this out. Because I, I, I thought I was alone, right? I was just in this bubble for a while of study and listening and reading and didn't really have anybody to talk to about it because nobody cared. It was just, I just felt alone. But when I did the seminar, I was like, wow, there's more, more people uh, than I thought. So I did the seminar and then maybe a year or so later, I, I turned that seminar into that book. So I took the manuscript of the seminar, added maybe 40% more content or 50% or added a, more stuff and packaged it into a book. And that's, that's the result of that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, it's a great book. And, um, yeah, as, as Bitcoiners ourselves, you know, our sort of our church community is, um, not really familiar with Bitcoin, I would say. And that's, so that's part of our, our mission is to, uh, um, yeah, just to educate people a little bit, or at least give them the information, about our current monetary system and then you know what is the alternative to that and um yeah so i think that the book is a is a great way to package that information um from a christian perspective because i don't um you know maybe you you probably have a little more experience with this but we haven't really seen a lot of christian content i know there there is a there's a few a uh, few guys out there um I don't like what do you, what do you think in in general is there um that, that's kind of what we we have seen anyways is part of our part of what we can do is educate more Christians about Bitcoin and it seems like to someone who doesn't know about Bitcoin it seems like an odd message right like why are you trying to sell me this weird investment or whatever but you know we kind of went down that same rabbit hole right of of looking at our money system and realizing like well, there is a big problem here and it affects all of our lives in different ways. And, um, and generally well, negative how, how old are you guys? If you don't mind me asking, <laughs> we haven't got to that on this. <laughs> just, it's just general. Joke. What are you? Mark, 30 Mark, to 45. I'm, between, I'm, I'm 40 to 50. 32. I'm over. 40, really? Yeah. I, I would guess yeah. you were like late thirties. So you're doing okay. <laughs> ah, thank you, sir. So yeah. oil of a lay. <laughs> well, I'm 36 and I'm in the same boat, so <laughs> yeah. feeling left out here. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy it while you can, Brent. <laughs> hey, I so I, I asked that question. I asked that question just because for for younger guys, maybe with kids who are still at home, whether they're young or teenagers, whatever age they might be, um, we're we are kind of in the middle of the fire because. Right. The boomers, well, they're going to be dead in 10 years, probably. So they don't really care. Um, the next generation is maybe not aware of what's happening because they're distracted with what young people are distracted by, which is, you know, where we were all there. We weren't paying attention. We were in our own world doing what, you know, young people do, making mistakes, doing stupid things. But here we are, we, we're sort of like, okay, so we're providing for families where we're in, in, we're in the middle of it. And it's, it might be easier for us to see the problem because we have no choice but to see the problem. For the older folks, yeah. the problem's behind them. 
no big deal for the younger folks. They're not paying attention, but, but for, for men in our age group, whoa, something's not right. And it, once you get into the marketplace, you're forced to see it. The problem is, is, is slapped, slaps you right in the face every day. So I find talking to men in, you know, this age between 25 and 50, um, the message of Bitcoin resonates way, way more with them because they realize, yeah, I still, Lord willing, have life to live. I have kids to provide for. And this system is not going to set them up well. And it's not helping me at the, at the, at the current time. So um, anyways, so that's sort of been my target demographic is men in that age group because they're the ones who are really um, hit with the brunt of it. Yeah. In light of that, it, you, so you said you did this seminars and you've had people come in, you've talked to people. What, uh, from your experience are some of the most common, uh, misunderstandings around our current monetary system, just from people who maybe anecdotal evidence you've had. So like somebody comes into your seminar and you're like, I think money is this, right. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> What are some things um, you've kind of ran into? So I, I don't think I've run into many coherently good arguments for the fiat system. <laughs> what, <laughs> what I've run into most often, if, it, if some, mostly it's this, wow, that's really interesting. I'm going to look more into that. Right. And then, mm -hmm. you know, that's that. But when I get people opposing it, it, I find for the most part, it's just really emotional uh, knee jerk stuff. You know, like there was one guy in my church who, when I was kind of going in the early days of studying Bitcoin, I, I, after it wasn't even at the Bible study, it was like after the Bible study at church, everyone's hanging around, we're just chatting. I said, you know, I think the money might be broken. I think the dollar <laughs> system the system that gives us dollars might be fundamentally sinful. <laughs> and he got so upset with, I didn't expect it. He got so upset, emotional. How could you say that? That's How could you say it's immoral? How can you say it's sinful? And I'm like, whoa, I'm thinking, whoa, man, why are you so married to the fiat system? I don't understand why you're so emotional. Wouldn't you want to know if it was, broken wouldn't you want to know if it was fundamentally sinful why are you and he's not like he works at a bank or anything so yeah it was it's either wow really interesting tell me more or it's just flat out emotional you can't say that that's that's you know bad really strange really strange reactions i've had yeah it's it's interesting so the some of the pushback we get or some of the, I don't know, the, the thinking anyways, typically in our communities, um, we, we both grew up in the church. Um, so we, you know, we're very blessed by that. And there's, you know, the, the people that we know generally have a pretty strong work ethic. And it's the idea of, you know, you work hard, save your money, um, have a family, you know, do all those things. But you do that within the context of our current monetary system and render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. You hear that argument all the time, right? Yeah. I know yeah. you've addressed that as well. All the time. Um, and, uh, you That's know. why I don't have so hair anymore because I keep having to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> Pulled it all out. Um, you gave exactly. it all to Caesar? Yeah, <laughs> I gave it to Caesar. There's... I said, you know what? Just take my hair. Let me keep my money. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a big step to say that our current system, you know, we've talked about it. We talk about it all the time. It's corrupt. That's one thing. But I don't think people really understand necessarily what, what does corrupt mean? You said it's sinful. That's like, that's a big step, right? So how do you, I don't know, how do you get that message across to people? Because it's one thing to say that, you know, our money system isn't great and, and, and look at society. And another to say like, um, no, it's a sinful system. Like, how do you, how do you get that message across? I'm like, what do you, I don't know. How do we opt out of that? <laughs> that was the million <laughs> dollar question, ironically, <laughs> um, was 
yeah, how do you, what does a Christian do when they're living in a system of immoral monetary policy, right? It's not that the money is immoral, like it's the system that gives us the money, right? Mm -hmm. um, a piece of paper with tw the number 20 on it is not inherently immoral, but how did that piece of paper come to be and what does it represent? Right. These are the deeper questions. Okay, so if you save money, are you a sinner? Of course not. Uh, if you, I mean, there's even debate about if you get a mortgage, is that sinful? Well, mm -hmm. I don't know anymore. Maybe it is. <laughs> it's it's because when you figure out where that money comes from, you got to stop and ask the question: um, Is this right? <laughs> is this okay? Does God approve of? of this sort of lending practice? Well, no, he doesn't, right? Banks just sort of make the money. They just, it's a fractional reserve system. What does it mean? It means they only have a fraction of reserves. It's not, right? When you break it down, okay, that, that's uh, kind of easy to understand. So I give them $100, please hold this for me, and they lend out 90 well, now it's up to 100, right? At least in the States, the reserve requirement is actually zero now since COVID. So they yeah. can lend out up to 100% of your deposits. So I go to the bank and I and, and now that I know all this and I'm a Bitcoiner and I'm a maxi and I'm obsessed, I go to the bank for uh, to renew my mortgage and I'm sitting there going, man, this is so messed up. What am I doing here? Why is it like this? They're asking me all these questions and this and that. And I just wanted to blurt out, excuse me, you know, you don't really have this money, right? <laughs> you know that this is just a game and it's fake. And you're sitting here going, well, can you make the payments? We want to make sure you can make the payments. You can't make the payment. <laughs> the only reason you can make the payment is because the government says you can add zeros in your ledger. Yeah, if I could add zeros in my ledger, I could make any payment too, right? <laughs> so this is just a big scam. It's a big fraud. And, you know, we're playing the game. Um, and, uh, yeah, so you can see I'm getting a little animated now because it's such <laughs> a, a wicked, fraudulent, scam, Ponzi system. And, and, no, and either nobody knows or when they do figure it out, they don't care. Because, well, it's just what Caesar says to do. So Jesus said, render to Caesar, you know, e even if Caesar is, is the most immoral, fraudulent, scammy person who ever existed. I mean, even Caesar in the time of Jesus wasn't this corrupt. Even he had to follow some rules, right? I mean, they had gold and silver coinage. Sure, he could clip the coins, and he did. But at least with that system, he had to actually try to be a, a scammer, and there was limits to his scamming. He couldn't just press a button and print two trillion gold coins like they can today. So, I'm I'm a bit I've lost track of your question, but <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> um, that's how we operate here. Yeah, we it's it's a, it's a scam. The system's a scam. Oh, sinful. It's fundamentally sinful. It's it's a fraud. What, I'll put it this way. The fiat system tries to um, create value without sowing and reaping. So they don't sow, they just reap. Mm -hmm. There's no sowing that goes into the process of creating fiat money. It's just, it just, they just say, let there be money. And there is, right? It's, it's sort of a um, <clears throat> counterfeit Genesis one value creation, right? In Genesis one, God says, let there be fill in the blank, light, earth, stars, right. sun, moon, whatever. He says, let there be, and it's good. Fiat, he creates by fiat. That's a, a word in Latin is fiat. So God is able to create value, real objective value by his fiat, by the merits of his decree. That's all it takes for God. He decrees it and it creates real objective value. 
But what the fiat system does is it comes in and tries to be a sort of a god by, cre by, by creating value by fiat. Let there be money in their was. You can't do that. Humans don't have that authority to create by fiat. God has given us everything which is good by his fiat, and we can use that and work with that material to create value. Well, we're not really creating, we're just reshaping what God has given us. So when he, so that's why something like gold was such great money, because you couldn't just fiat it. You had to yeah. dig it, you had to refine it, you had to do some work, and you had to sow some energy and some time in order to reap value. So that's why it's fundamentally sinful is because it, 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 the fiat system tries to be a sort of a god by decreeing value. And what we see happen, happening when humans do that, well, inflation, destruction, moral decay, and, and a disaster. So you've talked about being, um, yeah, pastoring in Windsor. In the, in the city that you're in, again, kind of, you said it's, yeah, to the, the pagan tribes of Canada, sort of a barren area. I'm part of a church plant as well in Hamilton. Um, and I think, you know, for, for a few reasons, but one, you know, there's a high, um, high number of refugees. Like Hamilton is, is an arrival city. So we get lots of refugees from around the world, but also, yeah, just people, you know, you could say natives or lifelong natives of Hamilton who have no idea about Jesus, who like really have not, you know, we have this preconception that everybody, surely everybody knows about Jesus, especially growing up in the church. But, you know, we found out that people just don't know, right? It's it's the swear word. That's all that they mm. know about Jesus. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting context. But like, what does... We're, we're putting this together too, right? Like how does fiat affect our society and does it contribute to that um, sort of desolation that you see in lives in, in, in where you are anyways? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, um, so growing up here in the early, late nineties, early two thousands, even before 2008, I suppose, um, my dad, you know, he's not a particularly skilled man. Right? I mean, he does he's not a tradesman, he's not a, he you know, he just he worked in a factory his whole life doing labor that anyone can do and he made a good living doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, he made, you know, he made good money. He bought his house very cheap. He could afford pretty much whatever he wanted within reason, obviously. It's not, it's not like that anymore. Um, you know, $25 an hour used to be like, wow, in the 90s, you were making 25 right. bucks an hour. Man, you hit the jackpot. Dude, you can't even rent an apartment with 25 bucks an hour anymore. Barely. You're going to the soup kitchen if that's the case. So um, we can see how when you debase money, it has a trickle down or maybe a domino effect might be a better uh, a better illustration uh, it has a domino effect that you know goes down to to everyone and affects everyone in negative ways when men can't work when men have to work and can't make a living <laughs> what do you think is going to happen I mean, people are just going to sit by like What's that lady, Christia Freeland? She says, oh, just cancel <laughs> Disney Plus. No. Really? That's your solution? Yeah. Hey, I'm hungry. Stop inflating the money. Oh, just cancel Disney Plus. I wish I would have thought of that. Genius. Thanks. <laughs> now inflation is gone. Right? So the people in power are so stupid, are so disconnected that they say things like this and nobody really cares. We just go, it's, it's insane to me. Here's how, here's how I like to understand it. I've created these categories. Well, maybe I haven't created them, but I, I, in my own mind, let, I've come up with these let categories. Let there be categories. Yeah. <laughs> There's two fiats, a carnal fiat and divine fiat. Right? I've talked about this a bit. Divine fiat, God. Carnal fiat, man. Mm -hmm. So what do we see now happening in our culture? 
tremendous amounts of copious carnal fiat. Let me give you some examples. The whole transgender thing is simply carnal fiat. Think about it. Let there be gender. It's pretty much what's happening. Uh, a boy says, mm -hmm. I'm a girl. A girl says, I'm a boy. What are they fundamentally doing? They're decreeing that which they have no authority to decree. Mm -hmm. God has said, thus says the Lord, you are a boy or girl. He made the decision. It's done. Nothing you do can reverse it. You can mutilate yourself, still hasn't reversed God's decree. So in a situation like a tra like tra transgenderism, it's just a simply it's simply just a carnal fiat decree. Let there be boy or girl. And if you don't go along with that decree, you get in trouble. You get in trouble. You mm -hmm. get chastised, you get persecuted, you name it. I am not going to go along with the fiat decree of man. Period. Don't care not interested, nor am I going to teach my children it. So that's just one example of how we see this fiat mindset of, well, we can just decree value. We can just decree stuff without doing any work, infiltrating the culture in different destructive ways. Same idea goes for marriage. God said marriage is one man and one woman. Man comes along and says, thus says the state, thus says man. Marriage is whatever the heck you want it to be. Two men, two women, three men, one woman, one woman. Now there's this trend of, the heck is it called? Uh, polyamory, right? So, so oh, the yeah. Mormons are yeah. doing polygamy. It's been going on for a while. Lots of people do polygamy. I'm not for it. But now we have a thing called polyamory. Polygamy at least has some historical precedent, right? I mean, yeah. I'm not for it, but there's at least historical precedent. You could understand how maybe in ancient days, a king having many wives served the kingdom in some way. Like, I don't agree, but you can see how maybe that might help. Yeah. But polyamory is a situation where you have a, a woman with many men. Now, that makes no sense at all. <laughs> She can only have one kid at a time, guys. So we have this, all this immorality, all this fiat stuff going on where humans are decreeing that which they think is right. It's the same. It's the idea of what the Bible says, right? Like they just did what was right in their own eyes. It, it, nothing new under the sun. So this is what fiat money is doing, but it's accelerating it in, in, in a way that is just unbelievable. In a way, when, when you see on the cover of magazines that men are woman of the year. Yeah, I rest my case. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so we've talked about this, you know, quite extensively as extensively as well, sort of the nature of truth, right? And what happens when you when there is no truth, right? Israel did it uh, right away. Moses went up the mountain. They didn't see him for a few days. They're like, well, we need a God. Let's build our own golden calf and make our own truth. So mm -hmm. this is just a predisposition of man. Um but I guess the question, and yeah, a couple of questions like is, is fiat the source of that or does fiat um, just make it worse? Because you can look at sort of the history of, of modern thinking, right, from the Enlightenment to the 20th century where you've got, um, yeah, relativism, modernism, postmodernism, and now really post-truth, right, where there is there is no truth other than what I feel. And that's... Do you think fiat has um, is the cause of that, or is it a symptom of that? Um, I don't think fiat is fiat the money. Yeah, fiat money. Yeah. I don't think fiat money is the cause, right? Obviously, uh, some Bitcoiners will say that it is. Like, if we fix the money, we fix the world. Well, not yeah. quite. If you fix the money, things will get better, of course. But there's only one fix to the, the world problem. It's, it's Christ. So this is, this is kind of how I understand it. The Bible gives us commandments to live by. God gives us standards to live by. And if we live by them, by and large, things go well. Um, 
you know, there things it's, it's a broken world. So, you know, there's still problems, but if you, if you do what God has said, by and large, live by your design, things will work for you, generally speaking. So when it comes to money, God has given us his monetary policy, right? Just, fair, equal, balance, and scales. Now, this is what I ask Christians when it comes to money. We say, oh, money's not the problem. Uh, you know, it's, it's just like, stop talking about money so much. And so, but listen, what do you think happens if we... Take God's standard, just weight, just equal scales and balances, and we do the opposite. Do you think it's going to be worse or better? <laughs> okay. If you're a Christian, you're, you're stuck. You have to say, well, it's going to be worse because why would God give us a commandment that doesn't work? So if that's the case, then why are we surprised to see there's a connection and a link between debased money and moral decay? This shouldn't surprise us. This should be, this should be, you know, kindergarten Christianity stuff. Right? This is what you teach your kids when they're small. Obey God. Do what he says. You know, basic, basic stuff. So, that's what's that's pretty much my my take on that is yeah of course there's fiat money is decaying the morals of society because it's in direct rebellion to God. What do you think happens when a nation rebels against God? Moral decay, judgment, Romans 1, spiral into re reprobate, you know, uh, debased you debase the money, you debase the mind. Because it's the money that you store your time and your energy, and it's the money that you work for, that you put effort into. If you debase the money, you're debasing the time and energy of the human made in God's image who worked for that money. Debase the money, you debase the person. This is just, and people go, oh, oh the love of money is the root. Of course, the love of money is the root of all evil. But God has given us the standard. Why are you surprised if you disobey it, bad things happen? Come on, guys. Just to kind of touch on that, in your book, you talk about the Matthew passage about um, rendering unto Caesar. How do you interpret that? Because I think you made an interesting, uh, interesting comment in your book about um, people are made in God's image. And yeah. I don't know if you want to expand on that, but I found that really interesting. So the way the way I understand that passage is that so, okay, the Pharisees were trying, they were conspiring together, right? That's kind of how the passage opens. And, and this, I like to tell people like, hey, if you don't believe in conspiracy theories, you might want to read this <laughs> chapter because it quite literally says they were conspiring together. They were literally creating a conspiracy. And the conspiracy was, we're going to conspire together and we're going to catch Jesus in his words. We're, we're, we're going to back him in a corner and make him say something that we're going to give him an option where he loses no matter what he says. Right. So they're conspiring together. And don't you just find it interesting <laughs> that it was taxes? <laughs> How do you catch someone in their words? Ask them, should we pay taxes? <laughs> yeah. Explain the tax code. <laughs> That's it. Hey, should we pay taxes? Got them. It's done. It's over. You lose. I've I've experienced this. You talk about taxes, you upset somebody. Doesn't matter. You're gonna upset yeah. somebody. So yeah. so they they you know, hey master, teacher, you're so awesome. Should we pay taxes or not? They thought they were clever, you know. And Jesus said, Bring me the coin, whose image, whose likeness, whose inscription, it's Caesar's. Okay, render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. So it's just astounding to me that people can read that passage and, and really conclude what Jesus was saying was, yeah, pay taxes. Let's, let's, let's do it. Think about that. They were trying to catch him in his words. If he really said, go pay your taxes, wouldn't the Jews have been upset with him and said, come on, man, this guy's oppressing us. That was part of the that was part of the game. If he said, I'm yes, pay taxes, then the Jews are upset with him. If he says don't pay taxes, then the Romans are upset with him. So did he really mean, yeah, just go ahead, pay it. It's cool. Caesar's great. O obey everything he says. Is that really what he meant? Or is or like 
Did the son of God, when he got asked the question about taxes, really just mean go do it? There's nothing deeper, nothing more profound. Like all his other teachings are deep and profound and get to the heart of, of the issue, except this one. <laughs> okay, so here's, here's where I'm getting at. He asks the people whose likeness is on the coin. So flip the script. Ask that question about God. He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. The coin, right? It has his image on it, right? Okay, where is God's image? Where can you find God's inscription in his image? Yeah, according to Genesis. Yeah, it's yeah. on mankind. It's on you. On you. Right? So when, when Jesus says, give to God what is God's, what is he saying? He's saying, give yourself to God. Jesus is not standing up there saying, pay taxes. He's ignoring that. Just like with Nicodemus, when Nicodemus said, can I, you know, uh, can, I, can a man be born a second time or whatever? And Jesus is just like ignores it and just tells him what, what's up. Jesus is doing the same thing here. He's saying, look inwardly. This isn't, this isn't about taxes. This isn't about money. You missed the point, guys. The only reason you're in this situation with Caesar and this oppression and, and all this kind of stuff is because you've missed the point. You've not been giving yourself unto God. Go back to 1 Samuel 18, when you see the people of Israel asking for a king. That's where it all started. Mm -hmm. And Samuel is upset with them. And God says, you know what? Give them what they want, but warn them. Warn them that what the king will do. And the last thing he tells them is, he will take a tenth and you will be his slaves. So God says, you want a king? Just understand, he's going to tax you and make you a slave. Taxation equals slavery. Then you get to the story of David and Goliath. And what does the king say? Anyone who kills Goliath will have riches, my daughter, and be free. Wait a minute. I thought they were already free in Israel. No, they weren't because they pay taxes. <laughs> so the man who kills Goliath, he says, I'll give you riches, my daughter, and you'll be free. You'll be tax exempt. Why? Jesus says to Peter, Peter, whom do the kings of the world exact taxes from? Their sons or from others? Peter says, well, from others. And what does Jesus say? Well, then the sons are free. Why was the man who killed Goliath tax exempt? Because he was married to the king's daughter, thus making him the king's son and royalty. The sons are free. That's what Jesus is saying. Give yourself to God, all of you, and Caesar will melt into irrelevance. So he's not saying don't pay taxes. But what he's doing is he's giving you a roundabout solution of why Caesar is oppressing you. Because you've chosen this. You want man to rule over you. So give him what's his. You chose this. Don't want it? Then give yourself unto God, all of you, and you'll see what happens. Freedom. True freedom. Yeah, I thought that was a very interesting uh, interpretation that's often overlooked or... I think people read the first part of that mm -hmm. uh, comment that Jesus makes about render unto Caesar, and they, they kind of forget about the second part of uh, rendering yourself wholly and completely unto God. Yeah. So that's a good explanation. <laughs> so, yeah. So if we, um, so let's follow, follow up on that, right? Because we would love to see a system where money is sound. And we had, we had a Bitcoin standard. Um, and I mean, personally, I think that, you know, it, it is good money. It's sound money. We can still corrupt it because there's no depth to the depravity of man, but at least it would be better. But do you think, um, I don't know. I'm just thinking of, of, of like theonomists or Christian reconstructionists. Um, do you have any thoughts around that? Like where, um, is there a place for us to say, let's not have a government? Like, can we, are we at that point in where we could do that. And um, I don't know, have all be sovereign individuals, I guess. I like to think we are, but I don't know if we are. 
here, here, here's what I think. Um, humanity is, we're kind of at a crossroads, right? Technology, mm -hmm. you can't stop technology. It's the cat's out of the bag, right? Imagine trying to roll back the internet now saying, well, yeah. the internet was a good idea, but let's all stop using it. You, you can't. It's it's the cat's out of the bag. The network effect is too great. It's it's game over. And the internet has changed humanity in so, so many ways. How we do business, how we almost do everything, how we interact with each other, how we socialize. It's revolutionized. Whether you think it's good or bad, this is just the fact. So this is how technology works. I think we're moving towards the sovereign individual. We're going to get there eventually. You can't stop it. It's it's just it's just going to happen. But we're at this crossroads where we, we we can move towards that or we can do a detour into into 1984 style tyranny. <laughs> I think eventually the humanity will break out of that even if it happens. Well, I'm from Romania and uh, if Romanians can band together and execute their dictator and get their freedom, right? Anything's possible. <laughs> so <laughs> I think eventually we will move to that. Are we there yet? No, we're not. Obviously, no, we're not there yet. But we can see the the fight happening. You can see the governments trying to hold on to their control. But this technology's here and the writing's on the wall. Right. It's sort of like in Daniel with the king and he sees the writing. Oh, he's all afraid. He's urinating his his robe. What does this mean? What does this mean? I'm so scared. And then, you know, they interpret it. Hey, the writing's on the wall, man. Your time's up. So they know it's they they, yeah. they know their time's up. They know the writing's on the wall and they're trying to hang on. You see these boomers like Elizabeth. Sorry, I don't mean that in a derogatory way, by the way. When I say boomer, I don't mean that in a derogatory <laughs> my, my wife always says, oh, yeah, that's so derogatory. It's, I don't mean it that way. Just like when I say sodomite, it's not derogatory. Um, so these, let me just say, these elderly folks, let me just be more politically correct. <laughs> these elderly folks like Elizabeth Warren, Bitcoin is so bad, you know, and here I go mocking her forgive me um <laughs> the bitcoin is so bad and criminals use it it's like really that's your argument criminals use it criminals use the dollar too let's get rid of that right yeah i'm for that let's yeah, do it that's the best terrorist financing is the u.s it's, dollar it's, it's the best technology for terrorism is the u.s dollar so um all that to say is I think it will happen in my lifetime. I don't know, but we're moving that way. I, I think it's it's just totally inevitable. Um, go governments are becoming less and less relevant as technology improves. They're being disrupted and Lord willing, by the grace of God, soon and very soon, they will become totally irrelevant and stop leeching off of um, the hard work of men and women. Do you, do you think there's a place for government? Right? This is always sort of the, the debate. And I know there's Jeff one Booth place. Kinda, yeah. Government, as far as I'm concerned, has only one legitimate function, exacting justice. That's it. There's always going to be a need for that. It's always going to be a yeah. need for an institution to exact justice so that it mitigates people taking revenge and total chaos in society. And this is what the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 13. He says um, they exist to reward the good and punish the bad, punish the evil. That's it. That's their only legitimate function is to punish evil, to do justice. That's it. Not to feed you, not to house you, not to educate you, only to act as a judiciary to uphold God's law and punish evildoers. That's it. And they're due payment for that service. Yeah. That's the only yeah. service that they should be doing, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Everything so else should be local. Mark. There you go. We got our answer. <laughs> no, I mean, that's... find the place of the government. Yeah, no, that, that, I think that's long been our argument as well. I mean, protecting property rights, I guess, but that I think that kind of falls under um, under the ju judiciary. Um, 
So, yeah, I've heard, I don't know if you heard Jeff Booth uh, debating with George Gammon. No, they're not Christian, but Jeff Booth has this great hope for humanity uh, under the Bitcoin standard and how, you know, what that would look like. And, you know, his argument is that, like, you can't even comprehend what that would look like. Um Right, because George Gamma is like, no, it'll, we'll still have a, a similar system. Um, it'll just be under Bitcoin and maybe a little bit different. But you just think if the government doesn't have the ability to produce fiat money out of nothing, then they're severely constrained, right? In what, in what that, they can that's do all and they how do. they can act. That's yeah. their only business is creating money out of nothing. If not, yeah, then they, run if not, then it's if taxes. Don't have, uh... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I have a hard time wrapping my head around like what would society look like under a Bitcoin standard? Because I think there's just so many like, you know, second, third order effects that, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to comprehend. Like, have you, I don't know, have you kind of pictured that in your mind, what that would look like? No, no, I haven't. Just because I don't want to become too, uh, I don't know, too you 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 topic. I don't know if that's the word. Right. Yeah. Like I don't think Bitcoin is going to fix the world. I don't think if we go, excuse me, under a Bitcoin standard, that it's going to be this like perfect Garden of Eden tech tech place. Uh, it, certainly things will get better. There'll be more fair. There'll be more equal competition in the market, which also means there's no forgiveness either in the sense of if your business fails, it fails. If you have zero, you have zero. There, the governments can't bail you out. No one can bail you. So there, it's a bit more ruthless as well. So people have to take that into account. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, the, the we, we live in this in this system where government has become the charity. Right. And that's not the way that God intends it. Charity is is a personal responsibility. Jesus says, mm. is, right, you talk to status Christians and they'll say, oh, well, you don't think uh, the government should be giving welfare to people? Well, no, because you should. Yeah. Right. God, God told us personally, individually to take care of the poor, to to uh, help your neighbor, widows and orphans. He gives that responsibility to individuals, not to uh, institutions. Uh, he says, use you work hard and you yours, use your money when you prosper to help these people, not have a government come in and confiscate wealth to redistribute it. That's not, oh, well, what about in the book of Acts? Well, if you notice in the book of Acts, the Christians came and voluntarily gave their goods, that they laid their wealth before the apostles. The apostles didn't say, all right, guys, we need a census. What are you making? This is how much you have to give. (laughs) They, everybody from their own overflow, from their own, um, you know, uh, free will came and they gave. That's why it's called a free will offering because it was freely given. It wasn't coerced or, or taken. Just so, uh, I don't know. I haven't thought about it, but you know, I think if we follow the way of the Lord, things should will be better. <laughs> That's just my yeah. Uh, you know, um, interesting. I never uh, yeah. side note. I never thought about that. The free will offering. You said, we just had a debate about predestination and, and free will at Bible study last night. <laughs> like, oh, maybe we shouldn't call it a free will offering. Wait, really? You guys <laughs> debated predestination at a Bible study? That never yeah, happens. Wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> every once in a while, every yeah. once in a while, we get into it. But um, yeah, no, that's that's so true, right? Steal no, steal no longer, but work with your hands so that you may be able to give to those in need. Yes. And um, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it all goes together. Not so that you can enrich yourself, but give to others and not let the state. Uh, don't give over your responsibilities to the state. Because when you give your responsibilities over, you also give over your, your, your power, right? Yeah, so your, um, it, it's funny because they'll say... Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but they'll never say to Caesar to give us back what is ours. <laughs> <laughs> right? So Caesar's allowed to take, 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 but never give. 
um, I find that a little interesting and we're kind of might be missing the point there. So, mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's just basic human psychology that people will be more apt to give and help others when they're not starving. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask just um, kind of like maybe on a practical level, but does your church own Bitcoin? Like how practically speaking, are you kind of working with this? Yeah. So we have Bitcoin. Maybe uh, you don't want to disclose all that. <laughs> no, no, I, I did. Please give, please give. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we hold Bitcoin. People give in Bitcoin. Um, we have an initiative on our website called uh, Bitcoin for Babies, where you can give Bitcoin and we will use those funds to support mothers who choose life. And so we've been able to support some women um, in some, you know, pretty bad situations. One woman, she was literally steps away from having an abortion. Like she was in the place and had her gown on and was about to walk into the room and she ran. She just, she, she, she pulled a Joseph and just ran <laughs> uh, out of the wow, place wow. and um, said, I can't do it. Not going to do it. She got in contact with our ministry partners and we were able to use Bitcoin that was donated um, to, to pay because she so she's not a citizen right so she's here um, with her husband who's working who's in school and working and they're working to to become citizens and so she had some expenses and we were able to <clears throat> help her with those expenses because of bitcoin so yeah if you would like to give to our bitcoin for babies just go to our website and you can see right there bitcoin for babies and you can give right on there and uh help us help women choose life awesome yeah what is that website uh <clears throat> lifegiverchurch.net okay and we'll throw that in the show notes as well i think right lifegiverchurch.net so okay this has been awesome we could talk for for hours and hours but it has been an hour and that's uh, about the attention span of our audience so um yeah, we've got, uh, what can we plug here? So you've, we've got the book. You've got the book, uh, The Bible and Bitcoin. Where can, uh, where can we find the book? So you could go to Amazon, whatever Amazon marketplace you're in, except Australia. Sorry, yeah. guys. I don't know why Australia. <laughs> the reason why I can't, it won't be, the reason why you can't get it on the Australian website is because it has color. And uh, the uh, Australian Kindle factory doesn't have color printing so what? i don't know i don't know what to tell yeah, you mate, they, everybody e every, everybody in australia email email kindle and say get your color printer come on guys it's 2024 <laughs> almost you don't have color printing what's going on in australia what's going on down there they're all surfing so, yeah yeah so sorry but if you're australian you can go to com pay a little extra shipping but you can get it from there or uh, you can contact me directly or go to our website, thebibleandbitcoin.com, and you can buy uh, 10 copies to hand out for $100. So that's $10, $10 per book, but you have to pay in Bitcoin. I do not accept dollars. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And at the end of the book, you've got, uh, is it a six-week Bible study? Yeah, yeah. So, so there's a six. Is it six weeks or seven? I think it's six. Yeah, yeah. It says six here. Yeah. So there's a there's a six so. week small group study guide that you can go through with your friends or your your small group. And there's some QR codes. Don't be afraid of the QR codes. You won't go to hell if you scan it. Um, and there's videos to watch and different resources. So uh, I did this with my church and half of the people who came were kind of already into Bitcoin. The other half weren't. And um, one lady said, you know, I didn't really care about Bitcoin. I just wanted to hang out. But after going through the study, um, she realized how broken the money is and how serious of an issue this actually is. So thankful for that and uh, hope that more people will do the study guide because I, th I think it is effective. Yeah. So maybe instead of yeah. arguing about predestination, we can uh, argue about Bitcoin. 
Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. If people want to find you, where can they find you? How do they get in contact with you? Uh, mostly on Twitter at Pastor Coin. Uh, YouTube channel I'm trying to get going is the Bible in Bitcoin. That's just the name of the channel. And I'm on Noster as well. If you guys are on Noster, Pastor Coin, just search me. You'll find me on there. Not really okay. using Facebook because it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> what about TikTok? You doing you doing the TikTok? Uh, I've tried TikTok, <laughs> honestly, and it's just I don't know. I find the Twitter algorithm is the only one that's worth even trying with. Every every other platform is just canceling you and de throttling your reach, and you say the wrong yeah. thing and. No, like on Facebook and Instagram, I get like literally three, four views. Like, what's the point? Yeah. Uh, or yeah. I post the That's same thing on Twitter and it's like 10,000, right? So obviously I've said some offensive things and these woke me social media uh, <laughs> platforms have just shadow banned me. So. Yeah, they clamp right down. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, this was awesome. Thank you so much for, uh, for being on with us. Um, I hope our listeners and, and viewers, we also get like three or four viewers. So, you know, don't feel too bad. Um, <laughs> well, but, one, one of the three is going to be really offended. I think yeah. <laughs> the other two are Mark and I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Would you mind, uh, just closing off in prayer with us? Uh, Alan? Sure. <clears throat> Heavenly father, we thank you for, this time together, we pray that it was beneficial and edifying. Lord, Lord, we pray uh, that you just guide us on the way, on the straight and narrow, that we would be um, ambassadors for your kingdom, that we would not shy away from what you would have us to say, but that we would also be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Uh, Lord, help us. We are weak and needy. And uh, we can do nothing without you. So we ask your mercy and your grace as we go from this place and um, help us to represent uh, that which is good and right and shun that which is evil and abhorrent. So we thank you for all your goodness to us and your mercy and your grace. We again confess our need for you and um, help us, Lord. That's my prayer in Jesus name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, for our listeners, until next time, steward your wealth wisely. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Two Stewards Show. If you like my voice better, click subscribe. And if you like my voice better, click share. If you like both, give us a five-star rating. To interact with the show, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. We'll see you in the next episode. In the meantime, steward your wealth wisely. <laughs>